0: 855- Five six one six one six twenty. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to
1: its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show, Eric Bilstead I admit that this this back and forth with Major League Baseball between the union and the owners just drives me back mm. crap crazy. It, it it does. I mean, here here's. And of course, we're getting no far closer. It's like the, these these sides are making proposals, and the union, in particular, isn't really moving a, at all. Um, the the owners they've at least changed their proposal a little bit. I mean, I think everybody understands this. When they suspended baseball during spring training, they cut this deal that said, okay, when we come back, we'll pay you we will pay you a prorated portion of your salary. So if you're scheduled to make $10 million over a 162-game season and we only play 81 games, you'll make $5 million. All right. That was predicated on an assumption that you'd have fans in the stands mm-hmm. and all that. Well, okay, we know we're not going to have fans in the stands. So the owners are saying... Look, we we you know we, we get about forty percent of our revenue, and my guess is in Milwaukee it's probably higher from fans in the stands. So we have got to have a new deal if we're going to come back. Because if we just have to pay your salaries and no fans in the stands, we're going to lose. They, they say they they are going to lose six hundred forty thousand for every game they play, and the owners say we're willing to lose some money, but we're not willing to lose, you know, the millions farm. and millions of dollars. To which the the players say, "Well, no, we're 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 not going to do that." And you know, let, let's come back and play a hundred and sixteen game season, or let's come back and play a ninety game season, but no movement at all on the money. And I,
2: it, it, I wonder if this has to do with next year too, because they do have a CBA that they have to figure out here coming up. you you're right. Yeah, they're, they're right. It it expires
1: at the end of next season. Yeah. yeah but I, I, well, okay, fine, but. It's just so frustrating from a sports fan's perspective because, as we've been talking about, the NBA is coming back mm-hmm. and that's going to dominate. There, there's just no question. That's going to dominate the, the TV landscape and you're going to all be playing in Orlando. And my guess is it's going to be sort of like a mini NCAA yeah. tournament. You're going like to have five games a day. Uh, uh, right, right, constantly. And so you've got that going on. You've got um, other, you've got the NFL training camps that are going to be opening up in late July and by early August, you're going to be. I saw the the Packers' first spring training game, or preseason game, that is, is is August fifteenth. So I mean that that's what's, and I'm and I'm assuming that that's going to happen. So you're going to have the NBA playoffs gearing up. You're going to have hockey. You're going to have football. And, you know, baseball I'm mean, look, I'm a baseball fan, but it, mm-hmm, it's going to be it's going to be way pushed off the, the front pages. And they had an opportunity to get this done and get their acts together. And they haven't. But I'm just I'm looking at these proposals like the counter proposals. It They're, they're all just non-starters. It's like nobody is serious about coming back.
2: See, I wish they would just actually meet and discuss this. So instead of this going out in the public and leaking things right. and all that, it's like, how is that helping any of this? Just. Get in the room and, and hammer something out, or at least be smart about it. Be, be mindful of the idea of how this is going to hurt your optics in the future. So. Well, right. And, and the longer it seems to me, and again, this is from the perspective of a baseball fan,
1: and, and I'm, I'm a fan in my individual life, and obviously, you know, as, as the flagship station for the Brewers, we, you know, it would be great to have Bob Uecker calling mm-hmm. baseball games and stuff, but the reality is the, the longer you wait, and it's already June 10th, so if you assume that there's got to be at least a 3 week spring training thing we're, we're already into July. Oh yeah. I mean at best case scenario if they cut a deal today you're you're not seeing a start up till the 4th of July May, probably.
2: Oh, and that would be you know that would be good that'd be a great weekend to start but you'd have to have a deal done Today, yeah, I mean, it would have to be done exactly, this
1: week. and it does seem to me, just from a practical perspective, and given all the other stuff that's going on in the world, and given the fact that by, if you want to look at it from a business perspective, that you you do start to lose money and lose interest at some point in time. I mean, I, I don't know. Do you want to be competing? You start of your season. Do you want to be competing with the Packers? Do you want to be competing with, you know, the the Bucks? That's just mm-hmm. the Milwaukee perspective. I, I guess it's just it's frustrating that you. Can't get this whole I, I'm thing with done you. No, I'm I guess with I and that that's. That I'm still, is,
2: holding hope, well, still holding out hope though. still holding
1: out hope. I say seventy to thirty. No. Now the the one thing that's out there is the the owners. From what I understand, they, they've apparently committed to X amount of dollars. That, that's why they keep talking about the 50 games or whatever, because they could pay prorated salaries for for that. They've committed, this is how much money we're willing to lose, but mm-hmm. no more. So, I mean, theoretically, they could come back and they could say, okay, we're, we're going to have a 50-game season. You've agreed to it. We're going to pay you prorated salaries. Um, at, at some point in time, though, you kind of go – why bother? Yeah, right. uh, interesting. Right. All right, we'll continue to keep you updated. I'm sorry, I was venting. I, I just. All right, there, there's another one. i so speaking about venting. This is a tragic story, and and it is. And I, I don't mean to mock it. I really don't. But I'm I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, okay, how many how many chances. Did God give you to do the, the right thing and avoid this particular tragedy? And it's one of the, 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 the senseless things that, that people do. All right, the headline in the Journal Sentinel, friends were hanging out of SUV window headed to protest before fatal crash. Charges say, now get this, the passengers in the SUV driven by a 22-year-old Cedarburg woman screamed for her to slow down as she barreled through a stop sign last week and collided with another car on Milwaukee's north side, killing one man and injuring others, according to the charge. The man, James Larson, 22, of Grafton, was one of several passengers hanging out of the vehicle's window, windows. As Tess G. Monty drove the group to a nearby protest on June 4th, when officers tried to pull her over, Monty sped away and crashed. She was charged on Monday with fleeing or eluding an an officer. According to the criminal complaint, an officer noticed Monty's Honda Pilot. All right, so this is Honda Pilots are not particularly big cars. Notice Monty's Honda Pilot stopped at a red light at West Center Street and North King Drive with several people hanging out of the sunroof and the windows. Now, as it turns out, including the driver, there's seven people crammed into this car. People are out the sunroof. People are out the windows. Police officer sees him stopped at a red light. Monty ran the red light and headed west on center. So you've got this car crammed full of young people. Police see the car run a red light. And, and it's not just crammed full of young people. They're hanging out the sunroof. They're hanging out the windows. The officer turned on his emergency lights and used the squad's public adjust system to tell the occupants to get back inside the car. But they did not, according to the complaint. The officer also turned on the squad's sirens and began trying to pull the car over. Monty turned onto North 6th Street and sped up going 50 to 60 miles an hour, the officer estimated. So, okay, you've got this this Honda Pilot crammed full of people out the sunroof, out the windows, car runs a red light, the police officer sees this, all right, get back inside the car. You'll sit down back in the car. They ignore that and then take off 50 to 60 miles an hour down, um, down uh, 6th Street. As Monty fled... Every passenger had returned to the inside of the car except Larson, who was still hanging out of the rear driver's side window. So she's going 50 to 60 miles an hour during, down, um, 6th Street, and he's hanging out the side of the window. The officer then decided not to chase the vehicle, reasoning that Monty did not pull over for the traffic stop, but he wasn't going to begin to pursue a, to start a pursuit understandably so, because you got all sorts of people around, etc., and he turned off his lights and sirens. In other words, they, they just decided to let him go. It's unsafe to try to chase this driver who is driving in such an irresponsible fashion. Then, Monty runs a stop sign at 6th and Locust Streets and collides with a Mini Cooper headed east on Locust. The driver of the Mini Cooper suffered a broken leg. Police interviewed one of Monty's passengers who said his leg and arm were impaled by a bike in the vehicle. Were impaled by a bike in the vehicle. So they got a bike in the vehicle, too, along with seven people. All right. The passengers also said all seven people in the pilot knew the police were behind them and everybody was yelling and freaking out. The passenger said he also told Monty to slow down and stop. Passengers told police they were headed to a protest on twenty seventh and center street. They were all friends. Larson, that's the person who, who died, was found doubled over the open window. Oh, and then it gets pretty very graphic about this. But you know, there's a there there's there's a car crash at, at however much when she runs the stop sign at fifty to sixty miles an hour and the twenty two year old guy is hanging out the window. It's it's not it's not good. Um, Monty looking at up to 27 years in prison. You, you just go back and you I'm, I'm reading this. I'm thinking, oh, my God, how how many how many chances did did the driver have to avert this situation? All right. You, you know, you've got you've got the police officer that tells them get back in the car. And at least one of them does it. You get the police officer that tries to pull them over. And and they don't. They they just they they continue driving at a high rate of speed, even after the chase has stopped. Instead of just all right, like kind of slowing down and driving in a responsible fashion, the driver doesn't. Instead of stopping at another stop sign, even though they're not being chased, the driver doesn't. You blow through the stop sign. You hit a car, so you've injured the driver of that car and you've killed one of your passengers. How many how many different chances and messages could you send to just just knock it off? And yet some people refuse to listen and somebody's dead. And hopefully, hopefully this woman is going to prison for a long time because somebody's dead because she behaved in a reckless and irresponsible fashion in a 4,000 pound vehicle and ended up killing one of her classmates. No sympathy. I mean, I'm sympathetic. The guy died. That is horrible. I'm not sympathetic to the driver who had multiple occasions, multiple opportunities. The, The authorities literally begged her to behave in a responsible fashion. She didn't. And look at the consequences when we come back couldn't pay me enough to do the job how about you stick around this is jeff wagner wtmj
0: you're listening to jeff wagner on wtmj
1: our number eight five five six one six one six twenty that's the acunet mortgage talk and text line let us tee this up All right on a daily basis for the last couple of weeks We have been bombarded with information and the the agenda of some people that we want to defund the police department. We want to cut back the number of police officers. There is this perception that's being pushed that a good majority of the police officers out on the street are, are racist. Um, they are looking to violate people's civil rights, that they are out of control. You have some communities like Madison where you have groups that are funded with taxpayer dollars pushing for abolishing the police department. There are some people who view the police as an occupying force. So that that's, that's the backdrop. And you have, I I don't know, you have common councils, you have legislators, legislatures all over the state and the country that are looking for ways to, quote unquote, rein in what they perceive as abuses by the police department. And by the way, there's no doubt that you have you have bad apples on police departments across the country. Um, you have bad apples pretty much in any sort of of industry, and the challenge is, of course, how well do you weed them out? But I, I think it's really clear one of the things that's going on now is there's not a lot of there's not a lot of people that are making at least among certain groups there's not a lot of people that are making distinctions between the the bad apple. And the other 99 people on the force who you know, on a daily basis have been doing a good job and, and aren't violating people's rights and things like that. So you, you've got that, that attitude that is out there. You have the police right now, police departments who are finding all their actions that are being scrutinized. Hey, you're out there trying to control a crowd of of 7, 8, 10,000 people who are throwing bricks at you and throwing bottles at you and and looting stores and everybody's out there with cell phones watching what you do and saying, "Okay, well we I don't think you should have used tear gas to control this particular situation or, you know, we think that you were too aggressive in dealing with those people who were looting the shoe store or whatever." And and so your every move is being scrutinized scrutinized. And that's that. That's fair. Nobody wants to endorse, you know, abuse by the police departments and nobody is countenancing, you know, some of the out of control stuff that happened or what happened in Minneapolis two and a half weeks ago. Nobody, nobody can test that. But from the police department standpoint, if you are a rank and file officer now, everything you do is going to be scrutinized, it's going to be analyzed. And by the way, you know, as you're doing this, you're still putting your life on on the line because, you know, you you don't know exactly that person that you're trying to take into custody. You you don't know whether they're armed. You don't know what they might do. So in any event, it's a very, very difficult job. And I don't know that it's ever been a more difficult time to do it because every action that you take is going to be scrutinized. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the accurate mortgage talk and text line. I think all of us would agree that to the extent that you can figure out how to better weed out whatever that percentage of, that, of, of bad apples are on a police force, we, we need to encourage people to do it. And to the extent that you can, I don't know, impose rules which make it less likely that bad things are going to happen in police citizen encounters without also endangering the lives of the police departments, like, okay, banning chokeholds or things like that, which they they don't do in the Milwaukee Police Department. I think that's something that reasonable people can get behind. But at the same time, Given the scrutiny that's there, given the disdain that the profession is held in by at least some segments of society, given the ongoing media drumbeat about how, okay, forces, police forces are nothing but, you know, armed militias out there trying to violate people's rights. My question is this. Who who wants to be a police officer? Would you want to be a police officer in today's climate? Would you want to encourage your kids or your grandkids to be police officers. I mean, it used to be that this was a profession that people aspired to. I am worried that the way we are looking at things now and the way we are viewing their conduct through a prism ma- makes me think that, you know, if, if if you've got somebody who's trying to decide what their career is, it's its It's tough to sell people on wanting to be police officers nowadays now there there are pluses in Milwaukee. The starting salary, I think, in the Milwaukee Police Department is a little less than sixty thousand dollars a year, and you get, you know, great benefits along with that, and you can, you know, retire after twenty-five years on on the job. So, I mean, that's that's not a that's not a bad deal. You know, you start at the age of twenty-five. You know, you can retire at the age of fifty. You know, with all the benefits and things like that. That's not a bad deal, and there there is the possibility for advancement. So, I mean, there there are there are desirable financial reasons. Reasons why somebody might want to do it but 855-616-1620 that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line would you want to be a police officer nowadays would you encourage somebody close to you to make a career in a local police department if so why if not why not 855-616-1620 that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line back to discuss in a minute jeff
0: wagner on wtmj
1: 8556161620 I have a text here from a um, one of our listeners uh, a retired police officer from Florida Jeff, one of my grandsons has aspirations to enter the law enforcement profession. My advice to him, I'm second-generation law enforcement and selfishly would love to see a third generation. My advice would not only be no, but hell no. The profession is destined to devolve into a reactive posture versus proactive. Perhaps that's what some want, but I don't think they'll be happy when all is said and done. Susan in Waterford. Susan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
3: Good afternoon, Jeff. Thank you so much for taking my call. Yes,
1: ma'am.
3: And I appreciate you being there. (laughs) I just wanted to say that, you know, they are grouping all the police officers because of one action. And I know that there's been other news stories and videos from people's body cams and cell phones that have since aired uh, across the nation about other cops in other states. But the majority of our police officers are outstanding citizens, and they care dearly for the people of this nation and the, the communities they protect. Um, I have family in police officer uh, careers, and my grandson, who is 13, has said that he wants to become a police officer, and I will be just like that retired Florida cop. There's, I'm going to try and do my best to talk him out of that and you know, maybe have him go towards the FBI or something, but away from being a cop out in the open... There's just too much um, opposition, and mm-hmm. everybody is just going crazy. I'm, I'm sorry, you know, they're they're not bad; they're good. And without law enforcement, our country would fall apart.
1: No, I mean I, it think, would be
3: chaos. Well,
1: you're right; so it would, Susan. And I guess I I am serious. And look, and none of this conversation. You know, disputes the fact that as in any profession, you're going to have the, the occasional bad, bad apple. And I acknowledge that in law enforcement, when you have that, that bad apple, there's the more potential because somebody has arrest power and somebody is an authority figure and somebody carries a gun legally, there, there's more potential that that bad apple is going to cause carnage than say if the, bad apple is the producer of a radio show or something. No offense to their group. But I mean, so I, I understand that, which is a justification for weeding out the bad apples. But let's recognize that the vast majority, the overwhelming majority, that 95, 98, 99% of the people who are in law enforcement are in it for the right reason. And, and yet I don't think that you are getting that sentiment that is out there now. And I will be honest with you. And this is coming from the perspective of somebody who is a law and order guy. I am a pro cop guy as a general rule, which isn't to say that there, there's not times that officers make mistakes. Um, but I, I will tell you, if my if my wife's grandson or my nephew who is going into eighth grade, if they were to sit down and say, okay, un- Uncle Jeff, um, let's you know, I, I know you, you were in law enforcement and you worked in the U.S. Attorney's Office for those years. And I, I'm kind of interested in law enforcement as a career. Could we talk about it? And I, I will tell you, 10 or 15 years ago, my response would have been go for it. I think it's, it's a great job. You perform an important service, etc. Now, Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure what my advice would be. Because yes, it's still a great profession, and yes, we need people that are out there to protect and serve. But at the same time, I'm I'm looking at the way that society is shifting in some regards to viewing the police as an occupying force and and the enemies. And here, you know, every time we see somebody blow through a a red light and lead the car, the the police on a a reckless chase and and almost hit and kill a whole bunch of people, here we're going to pull out those cell phone cameras because you know we we want to make sure that. I don't know, it's not, there's not an excessive use of force when you're arresting the person who damn near killed, you know, 10, 20 people on the streets. 855-616-1620, that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line. Jeff, being a police officer today is a lose-lose proposition, and no, I wouldn't and couldn't do it. A past job of mine included building and servicing local jails and lockups, and um, the, the people that were in there convinced me to stay in the service industry. I have the utmost respect for the police department. Nobody considers how difficult their job truly may be. Another text, Jeff, I'm currently looking to pursue a law enforcement career, even though I look Even though even through all this um, and I look at it as adding another good officer to the streets, that makes me want to go for a law enforcement career even more. And, and, And that's that is that is noble. I hope that's the case, just like for at certain points in time, you know, deciding to enter the military was, was a career was it was an option you know there were people in power who viewed and people who chose to go into the military out of college or something like that or as an alternative to going to college tried to view that as as these these people are just dead enders remember that discussion and of course it, it couldn't have been further from the the, the truth um You know, that's it. Jeff, I was the second car in line at an intersection of Port Washington and Silver Spring when a huge car protest came through from the West. They were riding in the hoods and roofs of the cars jumped off and were taunting the police. Hell no to being a police officer. They've been stripped of all power over the law. I, I was looking at... A report. It's not out of Milwaukee. I forget the. I forget the city where this occurred, but it was one of these deals where there there were all these protesters that were were screaming and taunting the police, and one of the police officers. Made an obscene gesture at the protesters that were taunting him. Now he shouldn't have done that. I, I I understand he shouldn't have done that. That was unprofessional. You've got to be above that. But I I the, the in this particular city, the calls fire this guy, get get rid of him. He's not fit to be on the police department, etc. Well, he had a bad moment, and and again, it was unprofessional conduct, and that's one where you kind of whistle him in and you say, okay, look, you you've got to. I don't care what names they're calling you. I don't care what they're doing to you. You have to be above it. But really, do you want to do you want to put yourself in that position? Uh, Barb in Waukesha. Bob, Barb, Barb, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hello? I'm sorry, Wabino. I'm sorry. Barb in Wabino. Hi, Barb. Hi, that's me. Yes, yeah, Wabino.
4: Um... We don't have a police officer in our town. We The town decided to fire our police officer probably three, four years ago now, and we seem to be doing just fine. We don't have any issues, and it's really safe being up in the Northwoods, and I would recommend that other communities try it at least. You can always rehire them if that's an issue, but would I want to be a police officer? If I was a police officer, I would try and change um the the atmosphere of the police force so i think some of some of your listeners sound like they're kind of afraid of what's going on and you know maybe gaslighting isn't always the best thing why don't why well, didn't people just work for change well barb
1: let me ask you this what you said you in your community you, you still have what the county sheriffs take care of law enforcement in your county you, you it's not the lawless county
4: sheriff is 20 mile, Yeah. county sheriff is 20 miles away
1: yeah so, if somebody breaks into your house, it, it's going to be the county. It's not there'll
4: like will be lo- They'll be, lo- be long gone by the time the sheriff comes.
1: Okay, and that doesn't bother you?
4: Well, I mean, we don't have that much crime, so no, it does not bother me at this time.
1: Well, okay, and that, that's. I mean, thanks for that, that. I guess that's wonderful if if you live in an area where there's there's no crime. Um, that that's fine. Most of us don't live in areas, though, where there's there's no crime. Most of us, I, I mean, during the segment yesterday, Chicago. All right. A week ago, Sunday. Uh, the, the most murders in the history of the, the city going back to 1961. Okay. 18 people murdered in one day alone. 85 shootings over the course of a three day period. 615,000 calls to 911. And I guess it's, I, I, mean, I mean, maybe if you live, no offense, but if you, if you live in, in an extremely remote area, And there, there's no crime at all that's going on. Okay. Maybe you don't mind if the county sheriff is 20 miles, is 20 minutes away. And yeah, if somebody breaks into your home and commits crimes, okay, maybe you don't mind. God, that's great. Don't go with God if that's the case. I, I think in the urban areas, most people don't actually feel that way. And the biggest complaint isn't that, gee, we don't have crime. The biggest complaint is, gee, somebody's just stolen my car or somebody's burglarized my home and I, I can't get the police out here fast enough. 855-616-1620, that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line. But, but again, the, the larger point is, if we continue to vilify police departments a, as a whole, it's going to make it more difficult to recruit. And if it's more difficult to recruit and it's harder to get people in, is, is that really going to make for the world that most of us want to live in unless we all want to move you know, in, into the Northwoods and just you know, kind of be out there by our, ourselves? For most of us who live in urban areas or around urban areas, I think we want cops. We all Dan in Elkhorn. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hello, Jeff. Hi, Dan.
5: So I am at this uh, junction in my life of uh, having this decision because I have a daughter that just graduated college and applied for the police academy and a future son-in-law that is in the police academy. Um, I've tried to convince both of them not to do it. (laughs) Really? And I was told, and I was told to be quiet by my wife.
1: So. OK. OK. Why, why? I mean, now, I mean, it, it's it is a it is a noble profession. Um, it, it's a profession that, you know, it, it's I don't want to say it's well-paying, but, you know, you, you get compensated, I, I think, fairly. Maybe you're not get you certainly don't get paid enough to put up with some of the stuff you have to put up with. But why why did you try to discourage the kids from doing that?
5: It can be a dangerous job, Um and I just I just feel that I don't know, I just rather have my daughter doing something else, but <laughs> yeah. something a little more safer. No and it's I mean, be honest, it's it's midnight, weekends and holidays. Right. I mean, I think of how many birthday parties I missed and graduations and you know, right. family gatherings and I told her that. I said, You're gonna miss that stuff. Yeah. And I said, You gotta face those facts and I try to explain it to my future son in law too. I'm like, you know, it's not it's
1: not like the movies, you know. Right. 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 And there's no thanks. Exactly. No, it's 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 brutal hours. You're going to be working a lot of times when when everybody else is is off. You're going to be working the evenings. You're going to be working on Christmas Eve. You're going to be working on Christmas Day. All those things. We're getting a number of texts about Wabino. And I look, I, I understand the lady's perspective i mean she lives in a really really tiny town up by the 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 border of northern michigan and and they obviously don't have have a crime problem or it's fortunate they, they don't have a crime problem there and and maybe you can get away without having you know a police department and a county sheriff that's 20 miles away but and that that's great glad to do it that's just not the world that most of us live in um it would be wonderful if we all lived in mayberry but um you know we 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 don't, Jeff. The people who think it's easy to be a police officer need to do a ride along. Then they can offer a comment on that. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text line. I guess it's just the, the the bottom line of what we're looking at here is if if we continue to demonize police departments and officers. And I firmly believe that's what's going on here. Or we try to say, okay, we have to put in all these quote-unquote reforms that are effectively going to make it impossible for even good police officers to end up doing their jobs. I I think at some point in time, there's going to be a blowback. And one of the first blowbacks you see is it might become really, really difficult to, uh, again, recruit and then retain people. I mean, I will tell you this. If I were... If I were a police officer now, at the end of my tenure, you know, somebody who was, was like eligible to retire. And, you know, so the decision is, do I, do I keep working now or do I, you know, do I retire next year or two years from now, but I'm still eligible for my pension and all those things. I mean, I, I think I'd be having a, a lot of soul searching going on, you know, with my, with my family and myself and my financial advisors going, you know, where, where are we really going with this? Because what does the next year or two look like? Now, ultimately, there's always a pendulum that what happened is, you have certain reactions, and then, okay, if we completely decide to demonize police departments and the police officers just decide, okay, we're, we're not going to be vigorous and proactive in enforcing crime control and things like that, well, okay, sooner or later, there's going to be a swing back as people say, no, we, we want our streets to be safe. We're, we're tired of, you know, allowing this to be Gotham City before Batman, you know, <laughs> so, so Batman had to ride in. You know, th- there's going to be, you know, a pendulum that swings back. And forth. question is, how long is that going to be? But for young people nowadays, I do think it, it's a tough conversation to have. It's a great profession. It's a noble profession. There are bad apples, though, that, that clearly have given the general impression to the public that police departments are are corrupt, police departments are out of control. I don't buy that. I don't buy that, but I don't know how we change that perception. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Our text line has exploded. Jeff, it's sad that just a couple weeks ago, police were considered heroes as well as many others who were the frontline workers. Yeah, isn't that interesting that that's how that has all changed in just just a a matter of weeks? Jeff, I'm driving westbound on I-94 by the zoo right now. I was just passed by two young males and two cars going well over 90 miles an hour in the left lane. I know they're not the only ones who drive. There's plenty of other kids who are driving like that. Now we, we have police on the streets, and they're still driving 90 miles an hour. How fast do you think they would be driving if the police were not around? Jeff, if my kids were interested in law enforcement, I definitely would discourage it. Um, also, I would not want to own a gun with no police. I, I do not own a gun, but I would consider it if there were no police. Which, which by the way, this is, this is one of like the unintended consequences for some of the yo-yos up in Minneapolis, for example, who, who want to Essentially, abolish the, the police force who are or in Madison too. Um, you, you've got this Freedom Inc., and, and when they say defund the police department, they mean defund the police department. I mean, there are some of these people that view the police as an occupying force. All right, what, what do you think is going to happen? Let's just play this out to the logical extent. Let's say you, you do away with a police force all right, well, you're not going to be doing away with criminal activity. I mean, there's still going to be crime. So what are people going to to do? Well, what you're going to see is you're going to see people hiring private security forces, or you're going to see people, uh, again, arming themselves to protect their property, because I understand you've got the president of the city council in Minneapolis who thinks, well, if somebody's breaking into my garage, yes, I would consider calling the police, but, but that's... That's really my problem because it's a matter of privilege. Well, I think most of us would say there's somebody breaking into our house at two o'clock in the morning. And and, and yes, we, we want somebody to deal with that. Um, Jeff, my brother is a deputy for Milwaukee County. And through all of the disrespect that law enforcement officers receive, I couldn't be more proud and in awe of my brother. He's a great man. And through the hardships, he still wears the uniform with pride and a commitment to better serve the community. I am so incredibly proud of him, and and I think that's you know that's that's what a lot of people feel. Um, that that's what a lot of people feel, and and I that's why I mean there there is hope. And look, and I, I I don't do these topics as a way of trying to say well we we can't look at trying to figure out ways to reform different institutions. And that's a good dialogue to have. If there's things that we can do that make police departments more efficient, more responsive to communities, okay, let's have that that dialogue. Just like I I think we need to have the dialogue about, you know, how, what can we do with the educational system to make it more responsive, to to make it better? I mean, I don't think there's any institution that's out there that is above criticism and above analysis. But at the same time, you know, be real careful because if you overanalyze this stuff and you overcriticize size, you're not going to find people who are going to want to do the
0: jobs. This is Jeff Wagner.
4: Don't go anywhere. Jeff Wagner is back right after this.
0: The Bucks are coming back. He drives, slams it! Now the dream is back alive. They have a chance to get this done. I couldn't be more pumped. And our team can't wait. Even though it's going to be a little weird to see them playing in Orlando, I could not be more excited to see them chase down their first NBA title since 1971. There may not be fans in the stands, but you can always listen here. Three-pointer Giannis is up, good again! Left wing, he hits another one. On the home of the Bucks. Team chemistry is going to be huge. The Bucks have it. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is The Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: So, Eric Bilstad, have you been out to a restaurant yet since restaurants started opening up? I have not. No up? dining in yet. Nothing you, like that. You've not dined in? Mm-hmm, or Gru, on
2: a patio yet. Drew,
1: you, you haven't been out either. Okay, now, grew are you uncomfortable with it, or it just hasn't, do you not feel comfortable going out, or... Or what
5: yeah i just don't really have any sort of temptation to be inside uh with a bunch of other people around me right now okay
1: fair enough same for you eric
2: yeah i, I mean i'm at risk with uh, I'm, I'm diabetic right, so i'm right. at risk a little bit and and the same with kyle just don't have the we don't have the need right now the way we're operating at our home is working fine so
1: interesting because over the last couple weeks we have we, we have started going out, um, and up until yesterday, and that's a story I'm going to tell you in just a second, up until yesterday, we we have gone out with other couples, mm-hmm. not, not large sure. groups, but, you know, couples, um, and we have, in all cases, we've eaten on patios. It's it's all we've We've intentionally selected restaurants that have outdoor dining sure, yeah. and gone, you know, and again, it's just been, it's been Fran and I and another couple, so it hasn't been like large groups or anything, but it's always been outside. Well, That that changed last night because again we were supposed to play golf. I Ah, said earlier, hit the tee shot, and then it starts to rain. Well, okay, we you know we were with another couple, and we had planned to get something to eat afterwards. And it's raining, which kind of limits your ability to Mm -hmm. you know be outside. And so we decided, what the heck, we're going to throw caution to the wind, and we went to we went to a a local restaurant that I I actually we had taken carry out from them once or twice during the the shutdown, but it was the first time. That we ate inside, and it was, now, I, admittedly, and this is where I was going with it. It's a it's a Tuesday night, so Tuesday nights are going to be like slower than Friday nights sure. and all. The place was, it's, it's a, a good, good restaurant. restaurant. The place was three quarters empty, um, and so we had we had no problem have any table you want, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so we were kind of all, the four of us were often in, in a corner, so we weren't like on, on top of anybody. But I, I was talking to the owner. And I said, how, how has this been since you've reopened? And she said, it's it's tough. She said, um, don't, don't. She said, it's just people aren't aren't going out. And she said um, a lot of our clientele tend to be older and they're just they're they're not coming out. She said we we still do an okay carry out business, but people just as far as the in restaurant dining People just aren't, aren't there.
2: And that, that's the part that worries me because a lot of these restaurants, too, have, you know, they're only bringing in so many people a night anyway because of quantity and how many capacity and all that right. type of thing. So then, I mean, your margins are always razor thin to begin with. Right now you have this where you're just not filling the place well,
1: well right and you i mean if you look at restaurants i mean a, a good chunk of their revenue comes and, and their profit margin comes from like liquor sales mm-hmm. you know people stopping yep. at the bar beforehand oh, and having yeah. a drink or whatever and that's just, just not happening but it was it was kind of interesting because and the restaurant we went to was not in the city of milwaukee so the 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 capacity the limits yeah, were yeah, yeah, yeah I mean but but it it didn't matter right. the capacity limit because that's what I said I said the capacity limits hurt you and and she said well no the capa- we haven't come close to those capacity limits because people even the regulars just aren't right. coming back which I, I found to be interesting not surprising because again you 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 know you, you limit you, you lift the curtain and that doesn't mean people are going to rush back and start doing that right
2: now so it was tough yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and I feel bad because I again, need this you. is I, it's because devastating. It's, I mean, for what what's going to happen? Okay, I, and and that's that's the launching point. Just one segment. Our number eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. All right, let me ask you the question that I asked Gru, that I had just asked Eric Bilstadt. Do you feel comfortable going into restaurants and you know inside dining? Now, obviously, like I said, the first couple weeks. We, we, we've been and we've been kind of like dipping our toes in into this and it was patio dining up until last night, but last night it was kind of like, okay, it's raining, we're not gonna be able to sit on a patio. But you know what? We're we're still gonna go out to eat. And I will tell you the, the experience I had the, the meal was, was outstanding. I did not feel threatened at all. The 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 waiter was wearing a mask. Obviously we weren't wearing masks because we were eating. We weren't on top of other people. Um I, I had a really, really positive experience. And and to the point that I, I didn't even really think about being worried. And, and when I left, like last night, it wasn't, a, oh, we, we got through this and were we worried at all. It, it, was, it was just, it was like a normal experience aside from the fact that the, the wait staff were all like wearing masks. 855 616 1620. That's the Acunet mortgage talk and text line. I would like to take your temperature. No pun intended. Are you comfortable? going out to restaurants. And again, I'm not talking about, let's not talk about patio dining for the moment. I mean, you comfortable going inside a restaurant, sitting down and having a meal like you would have, I don't know, maybe three months ago. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. Are you ready to go back? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner.
4: This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620.
1: Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let's start with Kevin in Oconomowoc. Kevin, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
6: Hi, Jeff. We have no fear about going out and dining at restaurants as long as we're not going into that bar atmosphere like it used to be. where
5: right. You
6: know, it was elbow to elbow. Um, that's a comfort level that my girlfriend's not comfortable with. I'm not afraid of it. I, I no longer mentally hide under my bed in fear of COVID. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what we did see this weekend, we we went bike riding up in Sheboygan and had dinner at an Italian place in downtown Sheboygan. Both of their restaurants were packed out with two-hour reservation waits.
1: Really? The
6: tables were all full. The food looked great. The wait staff was happy. Uh, Constant turnover of tables, people in, people out. I'll use that term business is normal it was really good to see it uh i've also eaten at a couple of our favorite chain restaurants along the way my travels i have to travel a lot for my job um i was just out of town last week down south and due to the curfews it limited the number of people past say seven o'clock but those places were busy as well so i see some some normalcy there um I will say that for the communities who choose not to live in fear, but reality, Mm -hmm. uh, they are going to come out ahead of the game.
1: Good. Well, thanks for the call. Well, again, this is, now keep in mind that my discussion, this this is not government regulations that are put into place. I mean, what I was talking about in, in the community I was eating yesterday, essentially the the regulations they, I, I don't know if they can have full occupancy, but again, the owner was telling me, even with even we're we're not getting we're not getting our usual customers they're they're not they're not coming back or at least they're not back yet, even though the the place was, in fact, open. Now, again, that might be partly a reflection of some restaurants tend to have an older clientele, and and maybe those folks are being more cautious. Let's talk to Peter in Milwaukee. Peter, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? Real well, thank you. you ready to go back to a restaurant?
7: Uh, Yeah, actually, we uh, have been, last weekend, we went out to three of them.
1: Okay. Now, did so you eat inside or patio dining, or actually eating inside? Uh,
7: inside. Okay. Uh, we, are, we were always, before this pandemic, uh, we were always, uh, we like to go out to restaurants a lot, mm-hmm. my wife and I, and, and then my wife and I, my, my 13-year-old, and uh, we also love to go to the movies. So, you know, I relish that happening again soon, too. But no, we, we don't have any qualms in the beginning, you know, when, when mass hysteria was starting. You know, sure. You know, um, a little. You know, you went a little extra. You buy extra hand sanitizer for the house, cleaning stuff like that. But I'm an essential worker. I'm a I'm a liquor delivery driver. So, okay. I actually have never stopped being out and about and being amongst everybody. And right. I realized as time went on, nothing's happening. There's nothing. No one is re- really. There is almost seemed like there was no reason to really shut down everything, why you couldn't have just done this to begin with, start out with the 25% or what have you. And then businesses wouldn't be hurting mm-hmm. and now people wouldn't be so scared, yeah. well, you know, to, to go back out, you know, whereas we, where, where I just told my wife, she, she's there, completed her first year as a school teacher this year. And I said, I just asked her, I said, so, so where are we going out to eat to celebrate your first year, you know, <laughs> being done with it. So, yeah. So I, 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 like I said, being an essential worker too, I, learned and realized that a lot of this is more media mass hysteria, you know, and I feel sorry for a lot of these places that aren't getting the business back because people are so
1: well, afraid apprehensive. now. No, thanks, thanks. Well, people, people are in fact app, apprehensive and I get, I, I, I don't, I, I knew you were saying media mass hysteria. There there's, we've been talking about that off and on in different variations and we'll we'll revisit it. But, but right now this is just, it's an individual decision that that people are making as to whether they're going back or, or not. Now, I mean, I'll, be honest to somebody who I don't think gave into media mass hysteria or anything like that I I mean we've been dipping our toe into it gradually am I ready to go back and be in a large group uh, am I ready to hit an Irish bar on St. Patrick's Day you know 2 years ago and be packed you know shoulder to shoulder no I'm I'm not quite at that point I'm not at that point yet. Um, going out with another couple and, you know, sitting in a restaurant. Okay, well, I, I did it last night. I've been comfortable for the last couple of weeks with the patio dining. And, and I think it's, it's more like a, a gradual process of, of getting into things. Um, but, but people are going to, I mean, people are going to find their own comfort levels. Sarah in Madison. Hi, Sarah. You're on WTMJ.
8: Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I'm um, I'm one of the ones who's going to tell you I'm not comfortable with it yet. It's not that I'm afraid. Um, if I was a single person, I'd be out there in an instant. But I've got elderly relatives and in-laws, and I'm an essential worker, and I've got too many people mm-hmm. relying on me being healthy and then not exposing them to anything. And I just feel every time I, – I, I'm still not comfortable that we know what we're dealing with because there's ours reports – this is asymptomatic, or this is that, sure. or this is this. And so until I feel comfortable, I just feel responsible to keep myself 100% healthy so I can take care of those relying on me.
9: What What do
1: you think, and I know this is kind of tough to answer, but what, what do you think is going to be the, the turning point? I mean, do you think... You're going to be like that until they develop a, a vaccine a year from now. I mean, it's, I'm just kind of curious. What What do you think is going to call, cause the light switch to turn on and you think, OK, now I'm ready to go back and sit in a restaurant?
8: For me, it wouldn't be a vaccine because being essential, I've been out uh, literally almost seven days a week working anyway. So I've been out and practicing. I want to see if this second wave comes or not, if they truly have a grasp on. Because um, there's many flus and things out there that people don't take vaccines for. So it's not the vaccine as much as how they can actually control the spread. Is mm-hmm. it the way they thought it was? Is it more like a flu type thing where mm-hmm. just sneeze guards and, cover, you know, Batman sneezing in your arm will take care of it? I think I want to see, are we going to have this second spread that they're worried about? or not. I mean, I, I want to so know you think you're probably a little a few, more you're, about the disease.
1: You're probably at least a few months away then, because a lot of people say maybe in the fall. So you're at least a few months away from being willing to go into some of the, go back to the restaurants and things like that.
8: Yes. Yeah. We've, we've eaten at outdoor places right. um, and things like that, but, but being in a, um, a, a packed place and maybe it comes from to. I used to work in a restaurant. So I got to tell you, <laughs> right. you know, I've seen things that people don't want to see. So right. Um, you know, I'm just a little bit leery. So yeah, probably more in the fall. Once I see how a few of these ideas that they have out there kind of pan out a bit.
1: Okay, fair enough. No, thanks for calling. And by the way, when I when I say I'm ready to go back to a restaurant, and I am going back to restaurants, I, I, that. That's not to say that I, I don't consider wh- what the restaurant is, and I don't. I mean, again, I'm I, I'm not going to be standing in line at a crowded bar, waiting 35 minutes for for a table, and, and packing into a crowded restaurant. I mean, I'm I'm trying to be at least. A little bit selective about it maybe you could say that that's silly you know, Jeff if you're gonna if you're gonna be exposed to somebody that that has this and you're gonna catch it you could have it you could catch it in that that limited sort of contact as well it really but but again I'm just trying to explain where I'm at with that Um am I in a hurry to rush back to some like really crowded buffet restaurant well a- absolutely not but we, we have been going out Gary in Wauwatosa Gary you're on WTMJ good afternoon
10: Hi, Jeff. My wife and I went out for the first time Saturday night to uh, a a, a supper club, Jim Linda's Supper Club on the bottom of Lake Winnebago, because there was an entertainer we wanted to see, and we sat out on the patio and ate. And my wife and I wore masks, and the people that were sitting with us wore masks. Nobody else there wore a mask. Everybody was shaking hands. Everybody was hugging. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Did, how did you? I mean, okay. How did you? I'm just curious. How did you eat with the masks? I mean, what did you take? Like, take them off when you were well, eating? I,
10: took them, I obviously took yeah. the mask off when we ate, but uh, but we were outside and there was a good breeze. Yeah, and and we we're we came, we went early enough that we picked the table so we were right. far enough. We thought far enough away from everybody, but we had a great time. But uh, we're leery about. Uh, yeah. Right. about going to restaurants.
1: No, I, I get no thanks. For, I mean, again, I that, that's just kind of the reality that's out there. I just got a ton of text here. Um, Jeff, I have no problem with going into any restaurant. Um, Jeff, I went to a movie. Um, Hartford Cinema is open. I've also been doing retail work. Um, Jeff, I, I love it. No one is sitting next to us. I think it's more enjoyable, easier to get a table. Well, there there is... There is that uh, Jeff. We went out to a restaurant in uh, Kenosha. The place was distressingly empty. I think my wife and I are going to make an effort to go out and eat more than we usually do just to try to support some of those businesses that are out there. Jeff I am uh, my husband and I have been to seven different restaurants in Lake Country, both inside and out. Outside dining in downtown delafield is completely full every night. Um, that the weather is nice. Well, I, I think there there is that. Jeff, I have no issues going inside restaurants to eat. If um, people are not in the high-risk categories, they need to get out and back to normal and not the new normal either. All right, so I, again, it, it, it's out there. You can decide for yourself that this isn't the government. This isn't Tony Evers. This isn't Tom Barrett telling you you can't. I'm just telling you that there's a lot of people who aren't comfortable with that yet, and I, I don't know when that comfort level is going to change for the Wagner family, Like I said, it's been outdoor dining. Last night, we we took the big step and ate inside, and um, I'm, I'm sure we'll do it again. All right, back with more in
0: just a minute. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: The movie Gone with the Wind has now been pulled. From the HBO Max streaming platform, HBO Max just, of course, unveiled that they want to compete with Netflix and Hulu and all these other things. So they're getting a a big push and they've got movies and they've got friends and they've got all these things on it. Okay, one of the movies that was scheduled to be on it was the movie Gone with the Wind. HBO has just announced that they are going to pull the movie Gone with the Wind. It's been removed from the catalog and that um, they they may eventually bring it back with a discussion of historical concept, context, but for the foreseeable future, you will not be able to watch Gone with the Wind. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I, I don't have HBO Max streaming service and I, I've seen Gone with the Wind on multiple occasions. But the idea that you can take what has been a movie classic and now decide that the values that it represents, and this is a movie that won the Academy Awards, and it's been a, a it's been a movie that has been so successful that I mean all other blockbusters are essentially judged by, okay, how do you compare with, with Gone with the Wind? And and the idea that in 2020, we now cannot present that movie anymore because of its depiction of the antebellum South. And look, I I understand It it is a glorified it. It, it to an extent, I don't know if you can say it, glorifies slavery, but it certainly does not focus on all, all the evils and horrors of slavery. It certainly glosses over the Southern cause and the reason the South fought the um, the Civil War. It certainly presents an unduly, perhaps sympathetic view of the South, and it's unrealistic. I, I, I get it. But at the same time, It's just a movie. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. Do we really want to get in the business now of deciding what what movies people can watch and what movies people can't watch simply because, well, some people might uh, find the films to be objectionable? Gone with the Wind, again, an Academy Award winner, 1939. And you will no longer be able to watch it. Now, HBO Max gets to, this isn't the government saying that, you know, they're going to pull Gone with the Wind, you can't watch it. This is HBO Max making the decision that the movie is too controversial to show. But, Really? eight five five six one six one six twenty. The story of the New York Times. HBO Max has removed Gone with the Wind from its catalog. The 1939 movie long considered a triumph of American citizen, but one that romanticizes the Civil War era South while glossing over its racial sins. Um, they've decided that that no, it pertains depicts some ethnic and racial stereotypes and we 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 don't want to participate in showing it anymore 855-616-1620 that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line i I don't know this this strikes me as being scary and and i don't again i i don't care about going with the wind particularly but but the idea that we're now going to sit and say okay we don't like that piece of fic- this this is getting dangerously, in my opinion, close to book burning. We we're we're now going to sit there and say, okay, we we don't like this this depiction. Of course, Gone with the Wind was based on a very very popular uh, an incredibly popular novel. We 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 don't like the the depiction here. You know, we we disagree with this. We find this to be unreasonably romantic. We find that this you know glosses over all the problems of slavery. All of those are valid. Valid considerations and valid points. But that means that we're not going to allow people to see it because it's too controversial and we don't think that people can judge it for themselves. 855-616-1620. That's the accurate mortgage talk and text line where if this is the standard, where where do we, in fact, draw the line? You know, what? What what is this going to be? Are we going to eliminate we're not going to be able to watch John Wayne movies anymore because I don't know John Wayne had an unrealistic, you know, view he had a peculiar the movies have a peculiar view of of patriotism. We're not going to watch be able to watch World War 2 movies or movies that were made in the in the 40s because okay, they have a they have an unsympathetic portrayal of this type of person or that type of person. I mean, where do we draw the line? 855-616-1620 the Academic Mortgage Talk and Text Line, and and again, I've seen Gone with the Wind. You've probably seen Gone with the Wind. But the idea that you have these companies that have decided you can't see it moving forward, how would they feel? Where you know what what is the the line you know going to be? Are there only going to be certain types of, of films or certain types of books that are allowed that have con- and that have content which is I guess not not objectionable or, or content that, I don't know, doesn't offend whatever the politically correct wind is at the time. And, and by the way, and I'm not arguing that, that Gone with the Wind, you know, I'm not arguing that it's not stereotypical. I'm not arguing that it doesn't have an overly romantic view of, of the South. I'm not arguing that it doesn't soft play issues of slavery. But at the same time, it, it it's a movie. Are we not able to see this? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on.
0: Back to Take Your Calls, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Look,
1: personally, I'm I'm not really a huge fan of the movie Gone with the Wind. I think it's unduly long, and I think it's a bit melodramatic. But by by almost any objective measure, it's one of the most successful films in American history. Eight competitive Academy Awards. It remains the highest-grossing film ever when adjusted for inflation. It was ranked sixth on the American Film Institute's list of greatest films of all time. And now HBO Max says you can't watch it because... Some people might find the portrayal of the antebellum South to be offensive. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Chris in Cedarburg. Chris you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
8: Good afternoon. Um, one of the most disturbing things is it's a movie. It 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 it's a movie. It's entertainment. And if it's going to start here, there's other other you know companies or other you know that that, that may ban oh, this yeah. movie or other. Other movies, you look at Archie Bunker or Night Court, or you know, just you know, even just TV programs. It's just, it's just sad. It's just you know, if it if it makes people uncomfortable, then either don't watch it or talk about it.
1: Well, right, and and right. See, I agree with you completely. I mean, I I fully understand what the criticisms of the movie are and i understand the issues that people could have but you're exactly right if if that's going to so offend you okay first of all don't watch it or use it use it as a teachable moment i mean discuss boy can can you you know this this wasn't how it was and you know this the civil war was really all about trying to preserve slavery and all these different types of things you use it as a teachable moment and a discussion point or you take it as 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 entertainment or you don't watch it any of those three are options
8: Exactly. You know, my mom and uh, they, we watched Old Yeller and that was like the worst movie for me, but it was something to talk about. You know what I mean? I mean, it was, it was Walt Disney. You watched it, you know, you learned something. It was uncomfortable, but it was just educational. So, you know, if you, if you're that affected by it, then don't, turn it on or don't buy it don't rent it right but don't otherwise- right
1: don't watch it right thanks so. no i, I but th- this idea and again this isn't the government this is the streaming service saying that you you cannot process this film you cannot handle the film and so we are not going to make it available for you to watch now there i i, I will say this if you look at the, the movies that regularly air on a number of these streaming services including HBO i have HBO i don't have HBO Max there are a lot of movies that are on there that for a wide variety of of reasons people could find offensive whether it's the depictions of violence or drug use or you know the list goes on and on and on all sorts of movies. I mean, that's one of the things a lot of movies are challenging in that regard. Okay. And, and so there's all sorts of things that people could be offended by. And I guess my reaction to those movies is if it doesn't sound like it's my type of movie, I just, I, I don't watch it. I, I don't, I don't turn it on. But I don't argue that, oh my gosh, I, I don't have a right or I shouldn't be allowed to see it because, you know, I, I need some streaming service to decide that you know you're you're not capable of processing this and if you happen to see this movie you're going to you know automatically decide that slavery was a great thing or something like that i mean for for goodness sakes it's one of the one of the greatest american movies ever made even though it is an incredibly flawed sort of movie i mean this goes in i was talking about this yesterday it goes to Along with a, a number of the concerns that you know people have about like *To Kill a Mockingbird*, because okay, we we don't like the language that *To Kill a Mockingbird* you know uses, so we we can't have the play at Shorewood High School or the move to get *Huckleberry Finn* and *Tom Sawyer* the the books removed from from the the libraries because they're they're just too controversial. You know, we're we're really getting to a stage where it it's it's book banning. And I, I don't care if you're on the left or you're on the right. This should be troubling to people. Jim and Waukesha. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Jim.
10: I guess as a white person, I've seen the movie. It doesn't offend me. But if I put my shoes and, and I'm a black person, mm-hmm. that movie glorified slavery like it was no big deal
1: yep it romanticized the south yep
10: right and there was plenty of slave owners that raped the slaves and that is offensive well and i don't you know the, the problem with republicans and you you never put yourself in somebody else's shoes and how they would feel. Well, but I, so, so, so your so your idea is if feel.
1: something offends, if something would offend me, then other people shouldn't be able to watch it, or other people shouldn't be able Planning to read is the book. Part of life. What are we doing? Okay. If, if if so, if something offends me, then then other people shouldn't be able to watch it, or other people shouldn't be able to read the book. As if somebody else. If, no, if,
10: but I I don't. Well, that's what you said think I don't think it's a big deal because you if that network decides that they don't want to show it, then why are you talking about it? They have a right. If they feel it's offensive to their to their viewers, then don't show it.
1: Well, right. And and that's how we started this conversation off. Yes. HBO Max can decide to do that. The question is whether or not that decision is the right decision to make. And, and Jim, I guess what troubles me about what you're saying is that is this the new standard now? And maybe we're moving in that direction. If somebody somewhere is offended by something. I don't like this movie's uh, view of of religion. It offends me. So we, we shouldn't be able to watch it. We, we, we shouldn't be able to read that book. We shouldn't be able to watch the movie. Okay, and then the next person turns around and said, I don't like that movie's view of the way, I don't know, World War II was, was handled. And it doesn't like, I don't like the depiction of um, Germans or I don't like the depiction of Japanese. So we, we shouldn't have that anymore. Well, well pretty soon we're not going to have anything. And again, if, if you want to side, with the book banners that that's fine that's not who i'm going to be standing up for back with more in just a minute
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: I want to remind you of something really cool that uh, the station is doing tomorrow. As states around the country begin to reopen and Wisconsin gets back to business, what will our workplaces look like and how soon until you should feel comfortable going on that special trip? Please join John McCure tomorrow at 4 o'clock for the latest edition of WTMJ Cares, special roundtable discussion about workplaces and the travel industry in the age of a pandemic. If you have a question that you'd like answered during the town hall, we've got a separate number, 414-203-8105. Leave us a message with your question. WTMJ Cares, powered by Watchery Industries and Premier Aluminum, sponsored by Freighter, the Medical College of Wisconsin, Town Bank, and Griffin Automotive. All right. Are there bad businesses, and what makes a business bad. Now, I, I'm not, and this will come as no surprise to most of you, but I, I'm not, I, I, I don't shop at dollar stores a lot, although there, there's a dollar store between where I live and where my wife where my wife's kids live and we we stop there from time to time on the way out there to pick up things hey you need a okay it's a birthday thing and so you you need you know one of those lighters Oh, stop into the dollar store they've got it you need candles stop in the dollar store you you need things so I, i i appreciate what the dollar stores serve Back at an, in in another life, I used to love to roam around places like do, dollar stores. There was a this is back in the day of Target. I I used to I used to, you could give me ten bucks, and this is I am acknowledge I'm, I'm dating myself. I could want, yeah, I could go up to Target and I could wander around the Target store for 45 minutes with 10 bucks to, and, and buy stuff. Oh, here, here's a, here's a tire gauge. a uh, for $1.99. Here, I'll take it. And oh, here's this, this old cassette tape. That's how long ago this is. Uh, it's for 99 cents. I'll buy it. And so I, 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 I like, like looking at stuff and things like that. And so the, the dollar stores, whether it's family dollar or dollar general or, you know, whatever you want to, you want to call it. I mean, I, I think, um, I, I think they provide a, a niche. And I, I understand why people like to, to shop in them. Which brings me to the story of a particular family dollar store that is located in the city of Milwaukee on 27th and State Street. And it, it this defines exactly, this is a small story about a family dollar store, but it raises this larger point about how screwed up, petty, out of control the city of Milwaukee is. Okay, so you've got this family dollar store on 27th and State, which isn't, it's not, it's not the worst neighborhood, it's not the greatest neighborhood, okay? The the, the Common Council wants to shut down the family dollar store. They, they, they want to pull its licensing. And now the matter is in court and the family dollar store just got a a temporary restraining order stopping the city from from shutting it down. But but the, the odds of this business staying open aren't aren't looking great. Why? Why is it being shut down? Well, okay. it's The the ostensible reason is the place is a nuisance. I'll talk about that in just a minute. But the real reason is the alderman from the area, Bob Bauman, and, and this is wrong way, Bob Bauman. This is the guy I talk about all the time. If you want to figure out where you are on an issue, figure out where Bauman is, go the other way. Chances are you will almost certainly be correct because he's he's wrong on just about everything. But Bauman doesn't like chain stores. So he and he's the alderman for this particular area and the way it works in Milwaukee is uh, is that they have this thing called aldermanic privilege. So if it's something going on in your district and, and the alderman for the district objects. All the other aldermen go along with it because, okay, well, it's his district; he gets what he wants, and, and you know, we don't want people coming in. And just like when we get what we want in in our district, so you, you've got this, this dollar store. It's been there for years. Twenty seventh and State. Bauman wants to close it down. So, and and he acknowledges that he's he's never he's never been in the place. Um, and he also acknowledges that you know he he doesn't like the the, the big national chain stores. He'd rather have local businesses. Oh, okay, fine. But it's 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 a Family Dollar store. So why why are they closing it down? Well, they're saying that it's it's a nuisance. You know, we we believe it it's it's a nuisance. And so they say, okay, well, what you know what what happened? What why is this why is this a nuisance? And it's because last year they had four total of four complaints at, at the store. Two of the complaints were shoplifting or vandalism that the store reported okay, so, so you got you had four complaints at the store last summer. two are because people are from the store vandalism or shoplifting. Um, another was a public drinking citation um, from police because someone was apparently drinking in the parking lot. O- OK, um, the alderman says, well, even though there's only been these complaints, he, he often sees um, loitering, litter and parking lot commotion outside the store. The store has been there for 16 years, and now this one alderman has decided that that he doesn't like it. And so they're going to try to close this down as a public nuisance. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I I have never been to the the Family Dollar Store on 27th and State. But obviously, it's been there for 16 years. It serves a, a purpose for that particular community. And I guess what bothers me about this is you have some of these elected officials who have decided, well, we don't like this business or we don't like that business. Or I'd rather have a family business there that are trying to use their political power to close down these businesses that are operating just fine. I mean, it it Okay, you're on twenty seventh in state and you've had four complaints over a summer. Two of those are complaints that you called in because of shoplifting and vandalism, and another one was where the cops found somebody drinking in your parking lot. How is that the business's fault? What does that go to say that the how do you get from there there to oh the business is is a nuisance? And if this is really what is going to be going on in the city of Milwaukee, that you have these elected officials that are going to be deciding, gee, I I, I like this convenience store, but I don't like that convenience store. Well, all right, what does that say for trying to create businesses? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, let's talk about these dollar stores. Are dollar stores, as a general rule, a, a nuisance? And is the fact that a business over the course of a summer, might have to make a complaint to the cops that the, uh, their store has been vandalized or that they've been a victim of shoplifting. Is that a basis for the city of Milwaukee or any city to close them down because they are victims? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. that's the Academic Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and what about this idea that, well, dollar stores, they, they must not be the, the kind of business that we want in a community? Nuts to that. All right, we discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner,
0: WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Now, five years
1: ago, Milwaukee took action against a nearby business. It It was a tobacco store um and 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 it had hundreds and hundreds of calls and complaints over the years and and, and yes they, they declared that to be a public nuisance occasionally you will have a bar that has that problem you know it's you know they're, they're underage drinking or you know people hanging out you know at two o'clock in the morning and the cops have to keep coming or fights or things like that and and look and so I understand there's times that you want to say businesses are a nuisance this this poor family dollar store isn't close to that and yet you've got this vindictive alderman who's decided he, he's going to try to close this down. 855-616-1620. Jeff in Milwaukee. Jeff, you're on WTMJ.
9: Hey, thanks for having me. Hi. Hey, uh, so I actually work at a, a tavern that is directly across the street from this particular family dollar, and uh, the, the alderman is actually doing the same thing as us. We've been in business for 36 years. We're just a little neighborhood tavern. We had some minor incidents uh, that, you know, we're thinking we were doing the right thing by calling the police because, you know, we've only had three incidents in the last year. Um, But, yeah, we got our notice this year. We have to appear in front of the Common Council yet again. Um, And I think Bauman really has – I think he has – uh, an ulterior motive for this whole side, this this whole stretch of Twenty Seventh Street. If you go south of Twenty Seventh Street, Wells between Wells, Kilburn, and Wisconsin, all those businesses are down. Everything's boarded up. I'm um, I'm really sure that there's an ulterior motive here, and I think Bauman just you know he has, he has an ulterior motive.
1: Well, okay, Jeff. Let, let's. I mean, see this this is the thing that that again it it drives me absolutely crazy. The. <laughs> Like So l- let's talk about the, the, the family dollar store. Okay, they're they the, they're the victims. They, they get a couple people that come and, and shoplift from them, so they catch the shoplifters. They call the police to report it, and the fact that, that they've made that call, that's being used against them. If <laughs> you know, exactly. somebody comes in and is robbing from us, I mean, I, I don't know what your calls were, but let's say you run a tavern. You report somebody who's trying to, yeah. an underage drinker, for example. Okay, we've caught somebody who's trying to, he's got a fake ID or whatever. You call that in and they're going to use that against you as a basis to close down the business. It's not
9: right. We have a big problem with loiterers and panhandlers in the neighborhood and people that drink in front of the tavern. We could spend most of our shifts on any given day just trying to shoo them away. The cops come through there on their bikes or whatever, and they'll kill them out for a minute, but as soon as the cops are gone, they're all right back. It's a non-winning battle.
1: Right, exactly. Thanks for calling. And it ends up being your see. This is the problem, and it's it's your fault. Okay, so we, you know, we we've got the panhandlers, all right. So that the panhandlers are congregating outside this business or that business. So it's the fault of the business. Okay. Well, wait a second. You know, I mean, that's maybe the problem is that the city's got to figure out. Well, let's we we can't have the panhandlers here because my guess is whether it's a tavern or whether it's a Family Dollar or whatever, you don't want the panhandlers in front of your business because it discourages or it makes it more difficult for customers to come in. There, this, is, this is the way this operates, though, in the city of Milwaukee. And it's one of the problems with this aldermanic privilege that you have these aldermen, many of whom... Are clueless. And Bob Bauman, like I say, it's wrong way, Bob Bauman. He's, he's wrong on most stuff. But you, you operate as little fiefdoms. This is my kingdom. And so I don't like this particular store. So we're going to go after it. And we're going to consider it to be a nuisance. And I, look, I fully acknowledge that there are places, there are taverns in the city of Milwaukee, there are taverns all over that, that are, in fact, that, that are, that are nuisances and that don't do a good job and things like that. But, but for goodness sakes, um, here's a text, Jeff. These family dollar stores are located to fill a gap in infrastructure in city. Most are in food desert areas. They're a way to buy affordable food when large grocery stores won't be placed there. Well, that, that's, they do, uh, they do fill you know, that need, you know, absolutely. Um, let's see, Jeff, there, uh, <laughs> Jeff, defund the police. You won't have to worry about a thing. Another text says maybe we should be defunding the Common Council and, and putting the money in for the police. Gianni and Montello, you're in WTMJ. Good afternoon.
11: Uh, yes, Jeff. But uh, Bob needs to revisit the issue and consider that uh, this, is a, this is a need in his, uh, you know, in the community, in his uh, block. And, um, we have Dollar General, uh, stores up here in, in central Wisconsin. Sure. And, uh, it says, if, if I, if I, need to buy a paper, roll of paper towels or a couple of paper towels or a bottle of soy sauce or, uh, you know, uh, you know a card for my 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 niece i can go and uh, you know it takes me 5 minutes to get there i don't have to run to walmart look we the the, the times they are changing as Dylan said and we would all like to get our our hair cut at floyd's barbershop but um okay. those days are are over and, and look even even floyd um Brought Barbara Eden in to do to do the manicure <laughs> it was a new thing in Mayberry and um,
1: you know I, and Bar- right it. No, so, no thanks and, at and times- once point Bar- right and once Barney did it he, he started loving it right you know and our, our last caller does make a good point you think about that area around like the 27th and State Street area it's not like You've got all these businesses that are booming there, right? You're, you're right. There's a lot of boarded out star storefronts and things uh, of the like. So here you, you have a business that is providing a service for the community and you're going to decide to close it down. I, I actually agree. There, there must be some other sort of hidden agenda there that, that's driving some of these things. But it, it's, you know, where's the rest of the common council? I mean, see, that's part of the problem here that you need to, You know, you you need to recognize that there's some of these elected officials that have their own kind of personal agendas. And, you know, I don't like these chain stores. Well, okay, fine. You don't like the chain store, but it's been there for 16 years. So you're going to use this pretext to try to get it to close down. And and what do you think is going to go in the place of it? It's just that this is part of the reason that the city of Milwaukee will continue to struggle with trying to develop businesses as long as you have... I don't know, some of this this petty thinking and some of the knee-jerk reactions by people who probably should have been voted out of office a long time ago. This is Jeff Wagner.